Hello and welcome back to Wellness with a Gynae Nurse. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. Um, I don't know about you, but it is absolutely freezing cold in the UK today. Um, yeah, gosh. Anyway, I really um, can't wait to dive into this topic. Um, today, we're really going to explore kind of the myths um, and misinformation out there around diet, lifestyle and exercise around endometriosis. And I think this is such an important topic to talk about um, because, you know, once again, like many women's health um, disorders, there is so much noise on the Internet and it must feel so conflicting and confusing for, you know, if you are a woman who suffers with endometriosis to really know what is true, what is going to help, what isn't going to help. Um, so, yeah, let's kind of dive in. So why is this important to talk about? So. It is thought that currently one in 10 women in the UK suffer with endometriosis. And sadly, it can take up to eight years to be diagnosed. Um, it's a very, very extremely long process. Um, and often many, many women, when they come to be diagnosed, will be at the point where their endometriosis is at a severe level. So in the UK, we categorize endometriosis on stages. So stage one to four um, and four being the worst and often um stage four endometriosis means that it's impacted a larger space um, within your pelvis area it's often um penetrated into kind of the bowel bladder region and requires extreme surgery for many women at that stage now whenever i talk about endometriosis from a diet and lifestyle perspective i also like to just explain that um, infertility with endometriosis can be as high as 30 to 50%. Now, why does that matter when we talk about diet, lifestyle and exercise? Because it can be so one track minded when we're thinking about diet, lifestyle and exercises to not even consider the other social, like psychosocial issues that are also going on with a woman when we think about things like endometriosis. You know, for some women, all they've ever wanted is a baby. Now, if you're presented with endometriosis and this this you know high statistic that you could be infertile, you know that's that's a whole world of emotions that also will come into play when someone is trying to get fit and healthy. You know, mentally, that is massively going to take a toll. And I think it's really, really important, especially if you're listening to this as a kind of coach, personal trainer perspective, um, to really take that on board. Um, because that can be a really, really challenging. And one thing I really, really hate when we talk about women's health disorders is, oh, you know, I can overhaul your fertility, you know, with diet, lifestyle and exercise. Absolutely. It can contribute. But appreciate the fact that this disorder for many women could potentially make them infertile. So please, please, please don't act like what you can do from a coach and PT perspective is going to overhaul that because for many women that's not the case um so I think that's really important to um understand now what is endometriosis so just a quick kind of overview so endometriosis is where the cells similar to the ones in the lining of the womb our uterus are found elsewhere in the body this is usually within the pelvis, but it is known to grow in other areas and it can be known to grow on the lining of your lungs. Just to point one out. 
So these cells that are growing elsewhere in your body, they react to the monthly menstrual cycle and each month they will also bleed. However, there's no way for this blood to leave the body. So this then causes inflammation, pain and the formation of scar tissue. And just by saying that, that can significantly impact a woman's life. So typically a lot of the symptoms are around pain. Um, so very painful periods, pain on ovulation, pain during sex, um, and severe pelvic pain. Now, this is not your average painful period. This is an extreme level of pain. And one of the things that um, whenever I talk about endometriosis, I really like to highlight from my practice in a hospital acute setting, you know, majority of those beds in an acute setting on a gynecology ward are women who have uncontrolled endometriosis pain who potentially require morphine for, for a moment in time. So we're, we're talking extreme pain here, pain that many people will not be able to, you know, understand. And I think this is where a lot of women feel misheard um, because you can't see pain. pain. Pain is what the person is telling you the pain is. And that's what you have to go by. And unfortunately, I think a lot of women feel dismissed when they say they have these levels of pain. Um, and, it, and it's such, you know, pain is such a complex issue. Um, you know, even outside of endometriosis, like the, the psycho, um, you know, mental element that goes into pain as well as the physical pain, you know, as the mental pain, you know, is, is massive. And I think, you know, to understand what a woman goes through when she's having endometriosis flare-ups from a pain element, it's, it's very much what the woman is telling you. And I think that that's the most important thing. And, you know, if you take anything away from this, is what the woman is telling you she's experiencing, she's experiencing. Um, and I think that's really, yeah, really important to understand. So we can also experience bleeding symptoms. So heavy periods um, that can be with or without clots, prolonged bleeding, spotting between periods, um, and, you know, the loss of kind of dark or um, light blood in between um, or before your period. Um, and often um, women with endometriosis will talk about, you know, extremely horrific, painful periods. And where, you know, these late diagnosis comes in is because, you know, a lot of people don't recognize that that's not normal. So they don't go out and reach out for help and speak to their GP, or perhaps they've spoken to their GP and they've been, you know, somewhat dismissed in terms of, oh, you know, it's just your period. Um, and there's a really, really good campaign at the moment by Wellbeing of Women who have got a campaign called, it's not just a period. Um, and I would highly recommend um, if you're suffering with endometriosis to go and check that um, campaign out. Or if you're just curious, um, yeah, it's not just a period. And it explains what a period actually is, what you should experience from a period and when it's not just a period and you should ask for help. Some of the most extreme um, symptoms can be around kind of bowel and bladder symptoms. So painful bowel movements and um, bleeding from your back passage. Um, symptoms of um, irritable bowels, so IBS symptoms, um, pain when passing urine. Um, I've seen many women go into retention, um, meaning that they can't urinate um, because of endometriosis, um, you know, and 
for some women that means having to be catheterized um you know for some women it means the formation of a stoma because of the adhesions are so bad the surgery that they have is so complex um you know so there's so there's all of these things to consider it's it's, it's a very complex condition when we think about helping people from a diet lifestyle um perspective um and other symptoms that go alongside this are you know tiredness you know a lack of energy you know high risk of depression and anxiety back pain leg pain um, and something that i'm really aware of is this constant feeling of the unknown so whenever i work with someone who has a chronic health condition um, whether that be endometriosis um, lupus chronic fatigue a lot of the conversations we have is around the constant feeling of the unknown so you know for someone like myself you know i'm very lucky i don't suffer with a chronic health condition I can go to bed and I can relatively know that I'll wake up feeling, you know, the same as I did yesterday. But for someone with a chronic health condition, you wake up with the fear and of the unknown. You don't know if that day of flare up is coming or you don't know how you're going to feel that day. Um, you know, and you know, it can ruin people's plans. You know, you could have a whole day planned out. You know, it can stop people going to work and you don't know how you're going to feel that day. And for some people, it can feel very scary to live in this constant feeling of the unknown. So when we're talking about, you know, diet, lifestyle, exercise, it's, it's all right for me to say, well, this is your exercise plan. You know, this is what we're going to do for eight weeks. Well, week two, we might be getting a flare up and it's like, well, actually, I can't do that. So when I come on to talk about exercise, um, we'll very much be talking about, you know, the constant feeling of the unknown and how we can overcome that. So. In terms of treatment, um, there is no cure. Um, endometriosis is very much under-researched. We don't know why some women suffer with endometriosis and some women don't. Um, there's definitely ideas um, floating about, but we don't concrete know right now why. And there's also no cure. There is incredible research going on at the moment that is looking at um, treatment that is non-hormonal, that's not surgery. Um, which are our two biggest um, areas of treatment right now. So we have surgery and that can be kind of conservative. It can be complex and it can be quite radical for some women. Um, we also um, have hormone replacements. So um, things that will reduce the estrogen um, levels to prevent um, tissue growing. Um, and some women will take treatment that will put them into the medical menopause as well, which also obviously brings a whole host of other issues along for a woman to have to decide that and go down that treatment path. And, you know, it's really important to say that any of these treatments offered to you are fully, fully discussed by a medical doctor. Um, and, you know, today I'm not going to be talking about them because like, I don't think that's appropriate and everyone's journey is individual. Um, so, and if you do want to know more about those treatments, Endometriosis UK is the most incredible resource in terms of talking about the, the surgical and the hormonal replacement treatments on offer. So say you've been to your doctor, you've had discussions, go on their website, they detail everything and it's very easily readable. Um, so yeah, I encourage you to go and have a look. Um, and then, you know, the other aspect is diet and lifestyle. And that's kind of what I'm going to talk about a little bit today. Um, yeah, well, yeah, I was just talking about um, the trial that's going on. So they are currently looking at the first 
non-hormonal treatment in the UK. And it looks at a um, drug they currently use in cancer treatments. And I believe right now it's at the clinical trial stage where they're actually giving it to patients. Um, so that's so exciting. So, so, so exciting. And I think that is funded by um, Wellbeing of Women. So if you go on their um, website as well, you'll be able to look at that research. So if you are somebody that suffers with endometriosis, you're very curious about what they're doing in the space right now, go and check that out. Um, because I know, yeah, a lot of endometriosis sufferers that I know of, that's that's quite exciting to um, yeah, hear about. So moving on to diet. So there's so many myths out there around diet. And it's really, really important to say that there is no large evidence base on how to eat for endometriosis. General guidelines suggest a Mediterranean style diet could be beneficial. So that's making sure that we're having balanced meals that are high in fiber, low in GI carbs. So making sure that we're having good carbohydrates that are um, not just, you know, not we're not always saying pick complex carbohydrates, you know, we're not always thinking about your whole grains, etc. But making sure that you're ma predominantly eating majority low GI carbs, um, good quality protein sources, and making sure that we're getting enough healthy unsaturated fats into our diet as well. So things like dark chocolate, nuts, peanut butters, um, Gosh, I can reel these off so well normally. It's always when things don't come to your head. Pesto. Um, yeah, I think that's that's fine. That's enough to get you started. Um, and making sure that we are having um, plenty of omega freeze so we can get that from our oily fishes like salmon. Um, and if you don't eat salmon, I would highly recommend you supplement with a good quality omega free for the anti-inflammatory properties. Now, I think it's really important. So I've picked out three of the biggest diet myths that I find when we, um, when I find people talking about endometriosis and diet. So the first one is cut out dairy. So this is a really common myth that dairy promotes inflammation. Now we know endometriosis is an inflammatory condition. Um, and lots of research has suggested that dairy products are not inflammatory to our body. So we shouldn't need to cut out dairy. Um, cut out gluten will solve your endo gut problems. So um, there's actually no research to support this. The only research around cutting out gluten has suggested that if you are gluten intolerant, meaning that you are allergic to gluten, you should, and you're a celiac, that is when you should cut out gluten. But unless you are that, you absolutely do not need to cut out gluten from your diet. That being said, one thing I would do if if you are cautious, and I understand like, you know, if you are probably living in fear of a flare up and you're thinking, okay, well, a couple of people have said this and I don't know, um, you know, I, I feel worried about introducing gluten back into my diet. What I would suggest you do is start to introduce little bits and pieces into your diet, keep a food diary and track what happens, how you feel. Obviously on a personal level, if you if it doesn't make you feel great or you know it actually does contribute to you having you know a swollen belly, um, more kind of um, stomach kind of bloating, um, more digestion problems, then yes, don't obviously eat as much. But for a lot of people, they've taken it out of their diet and they actually don't need to. And they 
they've put themselves into this hole of feeling like they're missing out when they really don't need to. So making sure that you're getting balanced carbohydrates is super important. And you do not need to cut out, everyone does not need to cut out gluten. And the last diet myth I hear a lot about, and I actually did a Q&A for another coach's community group, and this question actually come up. So um, cutting out soya. So there was a thought that the plant um, estrogens increase in um, inflammation that you are found in soya. But actually, there's evidence to suggest these plant estrogens that are found in soya are anti-inflammatory. So if you want to carry on eating soya, there's actually a bit of a bonus to it because apparently they are anti-inflammatory. So you do not need to cut out soya. Um, let's, let me just have a quick look, see what other questions I... Ah, oh, yes. Another question that I got was around kind of endo belly. So um, what diet-wise, is there any recommendations that we could do to um, improve our endo belly. So for anyone that doesn't know, endo belly is the painful bloated stomach. Um, it's, it swells, becomes quite uncomfortable, can be related to kind of fluid retention. Um, and it also can be related to kind of ongoing constipation and kind of a built up of gas. So there are three main things that is recommended in the research right now. So avoid um, inflammatory foods. So these are classed as anything that's super processed, alcohol and caffeine. Now, I wouldn't just take those out of your diet if you really enjoy them, because one of the things that I really like to think about when we're thinking about building a healthy diet is what can I add in rather than take away? Now, saying you're never, ever, ever going to eat processed foods again is highly unrealistic for majority of people. But saying to yourself, okay, I'm going to actually reduce the amount of processed foods I eat is a much more tangible goal. The same with alcohol and the same with caffeine. Um, another thing that can be helpful is going down the low food um, FODMAP diet option. Um, and this is something that you can speak to your GP about and they can refer you to a specialist dietitian who can take you down that route if this is something you are consistently struggling with. One of my favorites, peppermint tea. Um, you wouldn't believe the amount of peppermint tea we give out for gas um, on, a, on a hospital ward. I swear by peppermint tea. It really, really helps. Um, it is one of those things that it's not the tastiest, but the benefits are high. And ensuring that, like we've already said, making sure you're keeping a high fiber diet because with someone with endometriosis, the chances are you are taking some pain medication. The consequences of that can be constipation. So really making sure that you are keeping that high fiber diet to prevent constipation, to prevent that kind of painful bloated stomach. Um, so yeah, hopefully that is kind of answered a lot of the questions that I get around diet and exercise. Um, no, diet, sorry. Um, but just remember, like I said, there's no large evidence base for how to eat. So if you see anything online that says, do this if you have endometriosis or do that, there's actually no evidence for it. It's just maybe one person's assumption of looking at a little piece of research rather than looking at the root cause um, and, you know, looking at that evidence on a larger scale. So moving on to exercise and endo. So 
there's very, very limited data again. I'm, I'm sure you're not surprised, but the we have one key piece of research that basically says there's no one best way to exercise for endometriosis, limited data and more research is needed. That's basically what this research article shows. Um, but we do have other research that looks at other pain conditions. Now, a lot of these research um, articles, the conclusion is um, that pain conditions do benefit from exercise. And the most important thing that we can encourage is to try and exercise with confidence. So what this means is meet yourself where you're currently at. Now, or if you're going to go to a personal trainer or get a coach, the most important thing is that they meet you where you're at so you can build confidence with exercise. So I've worked with many endometriosis um, clients who lack confidence in exercising because they're very, very worried about hurting themselves, having a flare up, it causing pain. Um, so it's really important to understand where you're currently at and build up nice and slowly, build that confidence, but also have that confidence to say, actually, I know my body, I don't feel that good today. My pain is rising a little bit. Um, I'm not gonna do that today because I know that's not gonna be beneficial. But equally, it's important to know, actually, my body is capable of exercising today. It's capable of doing this. I've learned that well. I can do that. Um, and you kind of have to be the advocate for that. Um, and, you know, if you work with someone um, to kind of build that kind of ex exercise confidence, I'm sure that they will do that with you. Um, but ultimately, you need to be the voice in that scenario. Um, something that I always recommend um, to my endometriosis clients is yoga or Pilates. Um, there are great psychological benefits of yoga and Pilates. Um, and this is especially key if you are somebody that hasn't exercised for a long time and you want to build that confidence up in yourself. Um, you know, on the most part, yoga and Pilates is very gentle um, and you will get a lot of reward from that. Um, Something that I do around exercise with um, chronic pain conditions like endometriosis is use a push-pull method around flare-ups. So what this means is, um, so like I was saying, if I gave you an eight-week plan and it's like, this is your workout plan for eight weeks, but week two, you get a flare-up, that would be our pull week. So we would push on doing a program that you felt really comfortable with, but actually we're, we're now experiencing a flare up, pain is rising, you know, you're getting the symptoms that you normally get. So we'll pull back. And it's really important that we pull back, but we control what we can control and understand that a walk is okay. If we can't get to the gym and we can't, you know, nail 10,000 steps, something is always better than nothing. And it's really important in that pull week to figure out, okay, what is manageable and what's not. So then when that flare up is, you know, coming to the end, it's improving, that pain is improving, we can push on to the next phase. So then when it happens again, we can pull back again and we already know what we can control and what we can't. So we just jump into that um, and then we push on again. And oh my God, like the change psychologically it has for women who feel like they've, they're in a place where they feel, you know, utterly useless, like they're not capable um, and they just don't bother is transformational. If you understand that something will always be better than nothing and if nothing is all you can do for a week, 
but the following couple of weeks you'll get back on track that is life-changing um and you know as i've already said like we know exercise can benefit some pain conditions so knowing that you are consistent when you can be consistent and not just fall off the wagon completely and never do it again is so rewarding um so perhaps you know use that into your training so you know and keep a track you know and the more push and pull phases that i take my clients through the more early signs we get that a pullback is needed um and you know often in that pullback the client is ready to raring to go again rather than you know having this overwhelming feeling of oh great now what um because the plan's in place and sometimes that can be really really um motivating the other thing just to say is that um with endometriosis being an inflammatory condition exercise actually increases um anti-inflammatory markers so what that means is that when we when something's inflammatory in our body and we release something into our body that's anti-inflammatory it kind of mops all that inflammatory um flare-up up i'm not saying that you know exercise is going to completely you know mop up any inflammatory response your body's having around endometriosis but i'm saying that it, it can be slightly beneficial um so that's definitely something that um, bear in mind if you are struggling to get yourself motivated or have the um, discipline to regularly exercise that's that's something to bear in the in the back of your mind but I know how difficult it can be to just get started um, so yeah like I've said meet yourself where you're at figure out what you're currently doing figure out what you'd like to do and figure out the plan of getting from where you currently are right through to um you know where you want to be and just take that slowly um so yeah hopefully you found this helpful um if you do have any further questions feel free to send them across on my instagram it's zoe underscore lapwood underscore coaching um i know there's so much out there around you know how to do this how to eat for endometriosis and i know it can feel very very overwhelming so this is just a little snippet of you know me going through the research that we currently have um, and I hope, yeah, I really hope you found it beneficial. And if you have found it beneficial, please do share it with someone that you know um, is also struggling because, you know, we have to stick together. And, you know, the more people talk about these things, the more we share what is currently out there that we do know, um, you know, the better help we can be to women.